You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing. Woo! Oh, hello, hello, hello. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan. And this is What's the Story podcast. Yo! Um, How's Dan? I am tremendous. Midweek, special, bonus, unexpected bonus in a way, kind of, that we didn't think was going to happen, kind of thing, because we don't normally do a full one in the middle of the week, and we kind of planned a little bit awkwardly, but it worked out, and it's going out, and now you're listening to it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not listening to it on a Sunday. Well, you could be still listening to it on you a Sunday. You could be, yeah, but it's been available for days now. If you're listening on a Sunday, what are you doing? Thanks to everyone for last week's uh, podcast. The messages have been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Powerful, powerful podcast with Keith Kelly. If you've not listened to it, check it out straight after this one. And a lot of people as well messaging me privately asking me when the um, workshop will start. So as soon as we have a date, we'll put it out and we'll promote it and we'll get as many people um, signed up to it as, as, as we can. Absolutely. Look after your mental health, lads. Always, always, always. Um, yeah, we are coming to you from Fitzpatrick Castle in the heart of the borough. South Dublin, Cloyney, beautiful metropolis. And you can check out more about this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful house. Almost as beautiful as Graham's tired little face as he looks at me <laughs> from across the table. Are you struggling, bud? <laughs> My sleep cycle's all over the place. We're back place. to work. Go to fitzpatrickcastle.com for more. Sleep cycle is all over the place, is it? Yeah. You're not tired from, from the fight we just had. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you think. The fight with who? With our with our guest this week. Oh yeah, that fight. I thought you that's me and you had a fight. So oh no, no. What fight? We um, only ever have domestics publicly, never privately. I felt a bit draining, yeah. Yeah, I loved it because of the fact that there was n- very little agreement. Because he seems like a lovely bloke. Of course, yeah. I think the uh, the comedy side kind of came out because Mike, of course, is Mike Graham is a comedian as well. Yeah, he's uh, previously. Um, Supported guys. Like was that Chris. the first time we announced the guest? Did I just say that? Yeah, but oh, shit. anybody who can read will know oh, who yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Graham is our well, guest. Michael Graham. Um, look, he, who he's, says he's not a Trump supporter, but if you listen to this, you know he is a Trump supporter. I don't think he is. Absolutely. I don't he think is. he is. He I is think, 100%. No, he's, 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 he's a Republican. He's a, he's a true red Republican. Yeah, and they all love Trump. But I don't If they didn't love Trump, they'd impeach him. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Of course it does. You need a percentage in the Senate to get a yeah. impeachment. So yeah. they I, only need probably about eighty and nineteen votes to impeach. Well, uh, I don't. Eighty know. and nineteen Republicans to sway to the Democrats. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a midterm coming up, so you know, at the moment, impeachment isn't likely. But when that midterm, depending on how much of a swing in terms of yeah. if the house turns a little bit more blue than red. Absolutely. Um, it's mad. Like just over an hour talking to Michael Graham, and now I feel like American politics is my thing. I don't at all. <laughs> no, no. Graham had a terrible time. Graham's inner left was like screaming, screaming for justice. Now I know how Bernie Sanders feels like. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, if, if you've never heard Michael Graham, he's a regular uh, contributor to to George Hook's radio show over the years, uh, over the last ten years, as he told us. And um, we forgot to mention about President Higgins. Yeah, I know. Tell the, the listeners. But I'll just finish this bit now. Sorry. Do you, so Michael Graham has he's been contributed to, to news talk and in particular George Hook's show for um, a decade. So you may have heard him at one time or another doing that, or 
you may have read some of his pieces. He's, he's wrote for plenty of publications and that kind of thing, including the Herald here. But he is one of them people that he gets his point across in a way that he doesn't really care how he puts it across, but he puts it across brilliantly anyway. Like, I, I find him very entertaining. I don't necessarily agree. Like, I was laughing at a lot of what he was saying and not, like, laughing at him, but just laughing at the way he was putting his point. Somebody else could put their point and they mean the exact same thing he means. And they could put it across a different way where it'd be like, you're a fucking arsehole. Mm. But he put it across in a way that was kind of like, you know what, I don't agree with you, but you're the crack, so I'm all right with that. Um, he's also it's funny. He, it's funny because he did point out, you know, we, and I agree, we don't all agree. We don't all yeah, have the same have point to. of views. Yeah. Um, but I you definitely didn't agree with him. No, not at all. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to go to a dinner party with him. I would. Actually, I'd go for a few Guinness with him. It'd be a bit of crack, like. Yeah. You know, eventually you'd have to say, "All right, enough, enough in a politics because we're gonna." Yeah, exactly. I'd ha- I could, I could go to dinner party where I'm not talking politics because we're gonna end up leg dropping and elbow dropping each other <laughs> here. We got so, Hulkamania on exactly, you, Michael. Yeah. Um, on one of our old intros, we used to have Michael D. Higgins, um, calling somebody a wanker. What some of you may not know was an actual fact. He was saying that about Michael Graham. <laughs> um, so and is Michael D. Higgins ever wrong? I'm only joking Harsh Harsh Um, (laughs) I'm only joking And that that was on The George Hook Show A number of years ago And if you go onto YouTube You you can find it And you can listen to it And and that kind of thing Um, So if he managed to Royal up Little old Michael D Enough For Michael D To resort to name Colin You can imagine How good this guy is When it comes to Putting his point across In a way that's just Just brilliant Um, He has his own podcast You can listen to Michael in the morning It's on iTunes And all those places But um, yeah look it was, I thought it was a fun hour. Yeah, well, the listeners can enjoy. I, I, I loved it. You, you look, uh, you look exhausted from it. <laughs> but I loved it. I'm exhausted because I didn't really get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is Michael Graham. Michael Graham, welcome to What's the Story. Uh, it's a thrill to be here, absolutely. And just a little trick for you, as I'm a veteran podcaster, I like to start the interview without telling anyone it started, and then I record all that stuff that they don't know that they're on the air yet. <laughs> so just, just a good trick. Trick them, that. yeah. Trick them, I like it. Right. Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, Michael in the morning, it's going well. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I was in radio for 15 years, and living in Boston and having a grand time. And then the radio station I was at during the height of the Obama presidency uh, uh, flipped its format away from talk because, for a lot of reasons, but having to do with political pressure, because New England and Boston are very, you know, far left, which in Ireland would make them moderate. But, you know, in America, it's far left. <laughs> and so the ownership of the station, as one of the people told me, we, I just got tired of going to cocktail parties and getting yelled at for putting you on the air. So they flipped the format of the station to hip hop music. And alas, my audition as Rap Master G Money did not go as well as <laughs> one might have hoped. And so that was the end temporarily of my radio career. So I stumbled into podcasting and I've been back in radio since, kind of back and forth, but I've really settled into podcasting. I love podcasting. And so. Uh, one of the things we don't have a lot of in uh, in New England in particular on the right is kind of a morning drive, get to work content. So I do a show every morning that I post in the seven o'clock hour. That's kind of, it's about the length of a typical commute here, about 40 minutes or so. And you can just hit play on your smartphone and it'll get you into work. And I have a couple interviews and I do a little ranting. We have some fun stuff. And my favorite thing I've done so far is every Monday I do MAGA 
Monday. M-A-G-A, you may know, is the kind of shorthand slogan for the Trump team, <laughs> Make America Great Again. So I, because I'm not a big Trump fan, I have a full-throated Trumpy, a different one every week, and I just put them on. Not a lot of hard questions because I just – I don't kind of get what Trump is doing for these folks myself. So I want to listen. I want to hear what inspires them. So we do MAGA Monday every week, and I – it's I re- seriously I recommend it not because I'm doing it but for these guests. If you want to understand what kind of person voted for Donald Trump, you can hear them on my podcast at michaelgram.com. And do you do you un- do you understand them, Michael? Like, I is think there so. is there a sense of sarcasm in the name of that? that oh no no not topic? at all. I I want them. On, I I this is their opportunity. I think one of the mistakes that Republicans made and the reason why they lost their party. To Trump, and of course, I mean American Republic. Everything has to be translated into American. Okay, so um, <laughs> it, one of the reasons why we lost control of our party is because we refused to listen to this part of the base that had real what you would describe as populist concerns. And on talk radio, I heard these concerns all the time. I just didn't get how far the uh, the elites, the leadership of the right in America had drifted away. They were just totally dismissing these voters. And the lesson for uh, the American right and the lesson I think you're seeing for center-right parties across Europe as these other more farther-to-the-right parties rise up is if you leave those voters on the table, if you refuse to acknowledge their legitimate concerns, someone else is going to scoop them up. And that's what happened over here is that the elite of the Republican Party was so antithetical to these people. They bought into the notion that if you care about, for example, borders and migration, well, you have to be a xenophobic racist. You have to be. No sane person would care that America has had the the equivalent of the population of New York City come here illegally and move in. Only a racist would care. And so because they took that same tone – They left those voters untended, and out of nowhere, a guy who had never run for office – and think about this. We have uh, primary elections and then general elections. So you 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 have the Republican Party as its primary. The Democratic Party as its primary. Trump had never voted in a primary ever until his name was on the ballot. That's how not political he was, and that guy was able to come in and scoop up all these voters that that the party had abandoned. You you said yourself there a couple of months ago, Michael, that – you're not really too big on Trump. And is that where this whole, I've seen you recently post a conservative, not crazy line. Mm-hmm. And is that where this comes from, that you're trying to kind of draw that definitive line of kind of, I can still be conservative, I can still be a Republican, but Trump isn't my guy. <laughs> I'll get to conservative, not crazy in a second, but where I've come down on Trump is I, I was I, I, I was the wrongest person in America about Trump. I, during the primaries, I said he would never win the nomination. When he won the nomination, I said he would lose 45 states. I mean, I, I was I was so wrong. I'm not making this up. I was working for some conservative magazines at the time doing their multimedia stuff. So I was in D.C. for the inauguration. In fact, one of the magazines I worked for, the Washington Examiner, Trump haters were burning it in the streets. There was actually some video of it. So that's, that's where I was. I woke up on uh, on the morning that Trump was to be inaugurated, and I was wondering, okay, what's going to happen to stop Trump from being president? I mean, because I just couldn't. It, it was just not possible. There was a, no. It's at some point, like at eleven fifty. You know, he sworn in at noon. At eleven fifty-eight, I'm looking around, going, okay, okay, what happens? Is like, uh, is it like an episode of Twenty Four? Does Kiefer Sutherland show up and like sweep in and grab him, or do the aliens beam him back up to his? There is no way that Donald Trump could be president of the United States. That was and here and here we are a year later, and exactly. we're all alive. And so that's what I've come down to is I'm I'm 
I'm not going to, you know, die hard, never Trump. Like I'm not going to, I, 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 some people I know will never say anything good about him. That's not me, but I am also not going to jump on the Trump bandwagon. I'm kind of Trump curious, you know, I don't naturally go that way, but you know, buy me a few drinks, get me a red MAGA hat, you know, and who knows what the, where the night will end. Are you, are you still, concerned. are you still Trump, uh, Trump curious after a year? Yeah, office. I'm still Trump curious. In fact, I have been pleasantly surprised because my expectations were so low. But just a just a note about uh, conservative, not crazy. The crazy is across the board. Uh, as you and I are talking, a uh, really establishment Republican uh, New York guy, David Brooks, who writes the New York Times. He's an anti-Trump guy. He's you know absolutely the kind of the standard TV show. This is why Trump is bad for America. Blah blah blah. Republican. He wrote a piece in which he said, "I'm part of the anti-Trump movement, and we are going crazy." I'm embarrassed by my – things are going in the wrong direction because the crazy has been spread all around. When I first started saying, look, I'm conservative, not crazy, I was trying to tell people that I'm a real conservative. I'm not one of these squishes who gets put on CNN to pretend to be conservative, but you're really there just to bash Republicans. No, I'm a real small government, uh, you know, pro-life conservative, but I'm not you know, crazy. I'm not going to jump on the Trump train. Well, the conservative is now – the crazy, excuse me, has now spread. And you've got people who I like, friends of mine, who, for example, would have loved the tax bill that the Republicans just passed a few weeks ago. But they fought it the whole time because of Trump. Well, that's just crazy, too. I'm not going to be stupid on purpose. When Trump does something good, I'm going to say, yay, Trump. When Trump does something bad, I'm going to say, boo, Trump. I refuse to, to turn off my brain because Trump, Donald Trump exists. I'm going to leave my brain on. I may be wildly wrong. I've done that many times, but I'm not going to be wrong on purpose to prove that I love or hate Trump. That's crazy, not conservative. I mean, conservative, not crazy. By the, the way, my mom, my mom had me tested. I just want to tell you. <laughs> the, the, the Trump loyalism, just watching it from Ireland, and I suppose it's Fox News that we probably get our... Um, our, our daily fix of Trump loyalism, really, really, it's really, really irritating. <laughs> well, I will say two things about that. Let me start by letting you know that I agree with you, uh, but let me also move on, that there are a bunch of Trump voters who their first answer to you would be, now you know what it felt like for the eight years that Obama was president. And we would turn on CNN, NBC, ABC, the New York Times, and it was all, and that's why Obama's the most wonderful person ever. And shamelessly not doing their job, faking stories, the Iran deal. We have journalists who are now admitting that they withheld stuff because they were trying to help the Iran deal go. And it's just, it's, it, it was eight years of psychophantic, get out the knee pads, pseudo press for Obama. So But, now so, Fox. So is, then a, is, it, is it all just corrupt them? From eight uh, years of Obama, word, eight yeah, years of Bush. Corrupt, I don't think I'd use the word corrupt. I think I would use the word uh, shamelessly partisan, that people have decided that the number one thing that matters is that my team wins. And so you see it on Fox, obviously, and I know that you, because of your vantage point, it's more obvious on Fox because that's not your team. So you can see the – and I agree with them. It's, it's, I know Sean Hannity a little bit when I was in a bit of a, of, a, of a radio pickle back in the day. Sean got my back, and I will be forever grateful for that, and he really helped my career early on. But I'm embarrassed watching him just shamelessly say things that he knows not true because he wants his team, Team Trump, to win. But it was the same way under Obama. So it's all team play. It's just imagine the worst of your soccer hooliganism and, uh, you know, just give those soccer hooligans microphones and, you know, 
notepads and put them on TV. That's what we have for politics in America right now. Well, well Graham is a soccer hooligan. He supports a team called <laughs> Shamrock Rovers, which are renowned for hooligans. <laughs> so so he, he knows exactly what you're talking about now, there. Now can, I, can, now, can I ask you guys a question that's totally of off politics? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so thanks to George Hook and the and the, the, the show. And by the way, we're now on the weekends if people get up early in the morning, 8 to 10 on Saturdays. Um, uh, but thanks to George, I've been able to go to Ireland several times. And I, mm-hmm. every time I go, I love it. Every time I go, my liver files a restraining order against me. I, I don't know how you guys drink like this and still have careers. But the thing that I don't get, the most amazing thing, is your love of this crappy third world kickball game called soccer. I don't get it. I sit in a sports bar and I look up on the TV and what do I see? I see rugby. Wow. That's a fun game to watch. Wow. Michael, and then on the, next on the TV is this other game, hurling. Wow, that's even more fun. It's like the most amazing way. It's like a combination of baseball and football. And I mean, it's just, it's, how do you, how can anyone play that and like not be dead? It's just the most <laughs> challenging game I've ever seen. And then I look over and most of the pub is watching a bunch of guys running around on an empty field, nowhere near the goal, pointlessly wasting time on this 90-minute toothache on grass. And I swear I do not understand it. If you hold, if the only things you have to watch are like soccer and wall painting or nail clipping or something, I would understand. But you don't have – you have other stuff. You have fun, great sports that we don't have in the United States. Why the hell would you watch that crap? You've, you've just lost a room, Mike. You've just <laughs> lost a room. I was going to say, we'd be here till Christmas if you want to go over a list of uh, the stuff that we look at in America and kind of the head bobbles. Uh, no, that's one I just don't get. you got to admit, though, hurling is 50 times a game that soccer is. Hurling is, it's like hockey mixed with mortar, is how it's regularly described. <laughs> it is amazing. I just yeah. never, I, the first time I watched, someone started to explain the rules. I said, no, no, it's more fun this way. I want to figure them out. And did you go to a game? I've never been to a game. I've watched it on TV. Like I said, whenever I, you know, so here is how I do Ireland. <laughs> I, the first time I went to Ireland was right, right after, I think it was right after Obama. Was, something, it was early on, you know, so George W. Bush was still like, the, you know, a thing. And so I walk into this pub and, I, you know, some of you know how it is if someone starts talking to you, whatever, and oh, the States, whatever. And then they say something about Bush. Oh, God, we got rid of that Bush or whatever. I said, actually, I thought George W. Bush was a pretty good pre. Before I could finish the word president, Everyone in the pub had run over, ordered me a Guinness, and started yelling profanity at me. <laughs> they wanted to argue and yell, but they wanted to know that I – to not take it personally. So they all bought me booze and insulted me. I had yeah. the best four hours of my life, I think, that night. And so now that's all I do. I just walk into pubs now and just say, man – you know, whatever, you know, Obama sucks or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I wish George Bush was back or how about that Ronald Reagan or just anything that says I'm a political conservative. And then I just spend the night drinking and being yelled at. And it's to, I don't have to say another word after that. They all do all the talking. I do all the drinking. It's a great so, system. So is your interpretation of Ireland that we're not, um, in terms of our politics, we're not conservative? Oh, no, of course you're not. I mean, I, I tell people all the time that uh, Hillary Clinton would be like the most conservative person in Ireland if she were there. I mean, most, you guys are just nuts. Yeah, well, yeah, like it's it's crazy that like I would consider myself kind of center. Graham, uh-huh. you're you're as left as as Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I know for a fact that like Americans would not see me anywhere near center. No, not no, of course like, not, absolutely not. So here, let me so let me ask you the the defining question. Mm. What is the primary purpose 
of government. Since we're talking about politics, and politics is all about fix, make, picking government, what is the, what do you think, as a person, is the primary purpose of government? Looking uh, after citizens. Yeah, I, I would say to just do good and don't do it for self-gain. Yeah. Simpli- so, that simplify it. So what we okay. have over I'll here, Michael, I'll, right, I'll give you the right answer so that you'll know the next time I'm going to ask you, because those answers were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the right answer is the number of purpose of government is to protect me, Michael Graham, and protect my stuff from other people. That's the number one purpose. No, 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 no. Now, everything no. else after that is just conversation, but that's the number one purpose of government. And see, that's why you are not center. That's why you are left. And it, but this is... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, think about it. Think about it. The Danny's the spe- left? The spectrum of left to right is the spectrum of the battle between the individual and the state or the collective or the whatever you want, you know, whatever socialist language you want to use. How much do you leave me the hell alone? That's my team. And how much do you not leave me the hell alone? You guys are way to the left of the center of leave me the hell alone because you've abandoned the idea that the ideal government is one that leaves you the hell alone. And because America still has that as part, not a majority, but as part of our political you know, conversation, you, our center is never going to be near your center. You've abandoned the notion of adulthood. You don't believe that citizens should be adults anymore. You think citizens should all be children. Hell, the hell, hell, hell. And, the, and as, you, as both of your answers said, the job of government is to pamper my bottom and wipe my butt. <laughs> oh, here we go. Know, Raise my kids, find me a job, make me good. You think that's the – in other words, you think your government is your mom and your dad. You've interpreted an awful lot from two sentences, Mike, I have yes. to say. You know. very good at that, by the way. Another trick to podcasting. It keeps it going. Just, yeah, just take yeah. one sentence and turn it into a paragraph. It's very effective. <laughs> and, and you've done it quite well. <laughs> I think so. I, 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 look, I think I'm right, and I think the listeners know that I'm right. And what's interesting is the number of listeners – You're very fair, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to, to even cling to any kind of way to agree with you there. Um, <laughs> don't, don't. don't have, this is another thing, too. This, no. this, is, this is what bugs me about right now. Why the hell do people think we have to agree or get along? Why can't we disagree and get along? Why can't we look at each other and say, I think you are totally wrong. Your politics are borderline insane. Let's have a drink and hang out. What's the problem yeah, with that? Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. No, absolutely. For but, the purpose of the conversation. But, 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 what, kinda, yeah, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at. What, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at when I say that is that, again, I get the difference between American and Irish politics, but when, when you say kind of we're looking for the government to almost replace mommy and daddy, I'm sitting here and I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I, I don't know where you've you got that from. You get a boo-boo on your knee. Who's supposed to take care of it? Are you supposed to go take care of it yourself? Or does the government have a standing boo-boo on your knee program (laughs) that everybody has to pay for? And then you go to your government box. And by the way, what is the fight in Ireland? The liberals who like the fact that most of your health care is government versus the super liberals who want all of your health care to be government. The department of boo-boo on your knee. Mommy and daddy. I rest but, my case. Ladies and uh, gentlemen, please, <laughs> right now, Claire B., Michael Graham, the winner. Let's move on to the topic before you embarrass yourself. <laughs> is this the, the career in stand-up comedy coming back, Michael, is it? pretty much my life. That's, that's what's so funny, too, is I get paid to talk. Are you kidding? My parents will tell you when I was growing up in, in the rural Colchi South, they could not shut me the bleep up. They would have begged me to shut up. And then all of a sudden I started getting paid to talk. My dad was like, son, you have fallen in. You've fallen in it, boy. (laughs) Michael, is there such thing as a working class Republican? Oh, sure. Absolutely. In fact, uh, the Trump base 
is working class Republicans. So and why did the working class Republicans vote for an elitist in Donald Trump? But see, that's just, I, I get where you're going because on paper you could say, oh my gosh, not only is he a billionaire, but he's a New York City billionaire. He's a New York City liberal for, you know, compared to other Republicans billionaire in New York City politics, and he's on TV. He's a TV celebrity, you know, I would say wine swilling, but it doesn't drink. Diet Coke swilling <laughs> billionaire. But the fact is the way he talks, when you hear him talk, he talks like my talk radio callers talk. He's in the same vibe, the same groove. And what he tapped into is the politics of resentment. And the resentment works like this. And this is actually a, a true story. So this uh, uh, high school kid graduates from high school in Boston. He happens to be black. That's not relevant. But uh, to some people think it's relevant. I don't think it's relevant. But um, And he doesn't want to go to college. He doesn't really like uh, uh, college that much. And uh, or didn't like school that much, but he got, you know, he graduated. He has good grades. So he goes down to start trying to get blue collar jobs to make enough money just to move out. That's all. And he called my radio show to tell me this. And he goes to this work site. Half the work site speaks no English because they're there illegally from Central America. The other half, they speak English, but he can barely recognize it because they're all from Ireland. Some of them have green cards, but most of them don't. And they're all working on this project, roofing and construction. It's the kind of perfect job that a blue-collar working guy used to get as his first job. And, you know, and he would work starting off you know, picking up nails and, you know, and schlepping the trash around. Then you learn how to do one thing, and then you get your union. You know, that whole – that ladder. The entire bottom of the ladder is covered up with people who are here illegally or working the scam, working the system. And the guy who can't get the job – is a black 19-year-old guy from the inner city of Boston. So uh, he eventually uh, ended up doing something else, totally a, a different kind of career thing. But he said this is the story that he tries to tell people, and the people who won't listen, the people who won't hear it are the liberals who are trying to shove him onto government programs that he doesn't want to be a part of. Here, we'll give you money to go to community college. Dude, I don't want to go to community college. I don't like school. I like working with my hands. I like, you know, I like sweating. I like being outside. Um, we will give you money to, for your housing. I don't want money for housing. I want to make enough money so I can move out. That guy is the guy, the politics of resentment. He absolutely resents the bleep out of the fact that no one will do anything about the borders, about the fact that no one will enforce the rules, about the fact that people look at him and expect that he is supposed to want some government dole. And then when he shows up for the government dole because he can't get a job, the white 50-year-old guy next to him resents him because here's this strapping young you know, 19-year-old guy. Why aren't you out working for a living? I got laid off of my job because I'm 55 and no one will hire me anymore. And so that just feeds the politics of resentment even more. That's what Donald Trump tapped into. Okay. Did he mean to tap into it? As oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's his whole shebang. His whole shebang is you're getting screwed. I mean, if you think – if you listen to Trump, his worldview is fundamentally negative. You know, everyone's getting ripped off. Everyone's stupid. The government sucks. You know, no one, corporations don't know how to do business. I'm the only guy who can work – you know, can cut a deal. It's all, you know, that America is on its way down the toilet and he's your last chance. One of the um, arguments that made a, a, a kind of a big circulation through the right right before the election – was a piece entitled the Flight 93 election. Flight 93 was the plane on 9-11 that yeah. didn't make it back to the Congress because the passengers broke into the cockpit. And the argument was this. America is doomed. We're so screwed up because of Obama and the left and the media and blah, 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 that we'll never get our America back. So the only thing you can do 
is to kick in the cockpit, throw everybody out and take your chances because we're, you know, you're screwed anyway. And that argument had a lot of resonance with uh, with a certain group of voters. But from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. is that what gives the and I, I do want to talk and get on to fake news media. Sure. Uh, but is that what gives this impression then of you know, Trump supporters are racist, Trump supporters are white supremacists, Trump supporters are bigots, etc. etc. There are two reasons why uh, th- that view exists. One reason why is that there are some bigots in the team Trump because it's the world and the world has bigots in it. And this is another one of the frustrating conversations you have where but, but you do you really think that in the year 2018 that racism just went away and it doesn't exist? It's for every uh, racist knucklehead you can find. I can, you can also find uh, someone who thinks that communism worked and that if only you know Stalin had been left alone, we'd have a better world. Blah blah blah, which is its own form of stupidity. Um, so stupid exists, uh, you know, across the board. What's happened? What's what we've always done is we've always kind of ignored those nuts. Said yeah, they're part of the world, but no one takes them any, takes them seriously. The second reason you think that Trump supporters are all, quote, all a bunch of bigots, whatever, is that the media lies about them all the time. The medium takes that one or two knuckleheads, puts them on the front page of the paper and says, this is Trump. This is, you know, who, this is who the whole team is. And the people who voted for Trump, who I know, once again, I didn't vote for him, but I know plenty of people who vote and they just roll their eyes and go, of course, you're going to call us racist. You know how we know we're going to call you racist and haters? But because you called Mitt Romney a racist and a hater. Mitt Romney got called a Nazi by a commentator in the United States in 2012 because the media is so blatantly unfair because they're so partisan. They've been so partisan for so long. They're a bunch of voters who just decided, screw it. Why, why even try to, to have the fight? If you're going to denounce Mitt Romney as a as a sexist pig who hates women and wants to kill people, all things, by the way, that happened to Mitt Romney from the mainstream media, including the New York Times, then people go, well, forget you. It's 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 a bogus game. So how then do, do, do we... And the Mitt Romney thing is one thing, and, and I get where you're going with that. But then, when you have a guy like Trump, then who is a misogynist, who you know is well, maybe he's not racist, but he's you know he's he's definitely he is racist. He toes the line of kind of not revealing it one way or the other very well. But <laughs> you know, like let me, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. What makes you think? Look, I, I, Trump is, in my opinion, a moron, a dope. Yeah. disinterested in his job. He's a crook. He stole mm. from people when he had the chance. Uh, he's an unplanned... This, this is my, this, he's your president. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, but look, I mean, we remind me, we'll do the list from 2008. Uh, but so my, my point is, so this is all Trump. But why do you think that he's a racist? I'm, I'm being serious. Why do you think he's a racist? Uh, okay, well, when we go to the, the protests in, I, I'm going to say Carolina. Charlestown? Oh, Virginia. The Charlottesville, the infamous Charlottesville... Protests, I get that. Yeah, and then there's the the, and I know it's the one that probably everybody goes to, but the whole thing of him refusing to denounce it and saying there's a lot of good people on both sides, both sides. or whatever it was. Yeah, that to me is just it's bogus, absolutely stupid on his behalf. And I know you're saying he is a dope and he is a exactly, dick, but that doesn't say know. that he's not a racist. Do you know what I mean? Just because, and, 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 you know, just you because you've know. admitted that he's a dope and he's I mean, a jerk and all no, this. No, no, I know. But, but and then I, I will you, say this. I will say this. The narrative of his life, from the people that he's hired to the people he's had around with him, does not fit the narrative that he's a racist. And one of the things that I say to Trump opponents all the time is, 
there's so much low-hanging fruit. There are so many targets you can hit. Stop swinging for the ones that are nebulous at best, particularly because all you do then is feed the Trump supporters of saying, are you kidding me? Do you know who it was who forced uh, uh, the unions he was fighting with in the 80s to have more black employees? I mean, there's a reason why Donald Trump has a decent for a Republican black following. And it's because they know him from TV. They know how he's, how he's you know, they've seen how he's treated real life black people on real life on TV. Uh, you know, he has this whole career before politics. Stick with the stuff like misogyny. Stick with the stuff like stupidity. That would be my suggestion. And one of the reasons why Trump maintains this kind of upper 30s, low 40s uh, base is because the people who hate him have decided to attack everything. And but once you attack everything, you're attacking nothing. But And I'm going to get a bit wanky here and I'm going to quote, yeah. I'm going to quote my old Latin teacher and say post hoc ergo proctor hoc. After this, therefore, because of this. The reason that people are saying this is because everything Trump does has those undertones. So, you know, the immigration ban, uh, the, what was it, seven Muslim countries specifically? Then you have the wall, is he trying to just keep Mexicans out? And it's okay. just all these undertones. Of and this is how you lose the fight for the people who elected Trump. Because remember, Trump wasn't elected just by his base. He was elected by his base plus. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the plus. When you say, oh, you want the wall, you must be a racist. You, you just lost them. You just completely lost them. Are you, so are you telling me that if Ireland had the, literally enough people to fill the city of Dublin, walk across the border to announce, I'm going to live here whether you like it or not, that the only reason you could possibly object to that is because you're a bigot? You couldn't possibly object to it because it's really stupid. It's a crummy way to run a country. No other country would put up with that. It's illegal. None of that. So you're just saying all that set aside. When you say, hey, we've got people who are trying to come here from the heart of jihad country, and our policy is to treat them like they're trying to come here from Dublin. You think that's reasonable. You think that there's no difference between I immigrated here from Iraq and I immigrated here from Ireland. Because if you really think that, if you agree with Hillary Clinton who said, and I quote, Muslims have no connection whatsoever to terrorism, you're an idiot. And everyone knows you're an idiot. So what we assume is that you every, <laughs> so what we assume is that you know that it's stupid and you're just saying it because you think you're only allowed to say that and that's how Trump wins. But this is where this myth of only Muslims are terrorists come from. Wait, wait, who said that? But uh, that's certainly what you seem to be employing. No, that's no? not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you think that, that an 18-year-old guy coming here from Somalia or Syria is the same as an 18-year-old guy coming here from Sweden or Switzerland, that's just stupid. But why can't they be the same? Why can't they be the same? Because they're, they're not. They're obviously not. How, because of the dis, because of the uh, di, the disproportionate likelihood that one of those two people will be an ISIS supporter or support the philosophy that funds ISIS, and by that philosophy, I do not mean Islam, because obviously the vast majority of Muslims reject the ISIS vision, but some Muslims don't. And whereas this guy from by the guy from Switzerland or Sweden has a zero percent chance of supporting ISIS or the ISIS philosophy. I mean, how can you? I mean, so you're telling me that in a world where literally 99% of the terrorist attacks committed in an average year since the late 90s are committed in the name of a certain specific worldview, you're telling me that that worldview we should pretend that it's completely it doesn't exist and and it's not there. 99%. No, no. Look, hang on. Of, of course, of course, it exists. But what you are or what I'm picking up on here mm-hmm. is that. <laughs> 
you're, you're generalizing. Like, yeah, exactly. There's sweeping generalizations here. Like so, so eighteen year old Timmy from right. from Somalia, right, can't be the same as eighteen year old Bobby oh, from no, no, Scandinavia. No. He, of course, of course, he could be. And statistically speaking, he probably is. But you're too, but, but the, the but the nation but is too the, paranoid the to idea, let them in. But, but the idea that that statistical difference, which is profound, and if you don't think it's profound, ask the seven people killed on Halloween by the Uzbek who came to this country because of an idiotic policy called the random visa diversity lottery. They're now dead because he ran over them in the name of ISIS. Uh, okay, if you don't well, think that difference matters, then ask the people who were at the uh, biggest bus station in America where a suicide bomber tried to blow himself up and screwed up and <laughs> ended up burning off his genitals, but would have killed as many people as he could, who came here because of chain migration from the Middle East because he had a you know, distant cousin who was here and was put to the front of the line. I mean, you can pretend that that small statistical difference doesn't matter, but sane people don't agree with you. Don't say sane people. people. Hang on, hang on. (laughs) So, right, and and I take what you're saying. I don't agree with you at all. I take what you're saying, though. But then are we going to ignore the fact Mm -hmm. that America has a massive problem with domestic terrorism, despite the fact that you won't won't call it that, but that's what it is. So the Las Vegas shooter, the Florida nightclub, these aren't terrorists. Now, see, once again, stop. The Florida nightclub shooter literally called the police and said, I'm doing this in the name of ISIS. Tell everyone that I'm shooting up the Pulse nightclub in the name of ISIS. That's what happened. That was an ISIS supporter. But you don't know it because the media won't tell you because we've decided that telling the truth about the current civil war inside Islam and the effects of it on the outside world is bigotry and hatred. We've decided that having a border like every other country in the world, including Ireland, where if you come to Ireland and you overstay your visa, you have to leave. We've decided that talking about that is bigotry and xenophobia, and that's how you get Trump. There is a sane conversation that says, we're not going to ban all Muslims, which, by the way, uh, the, the Muslim ban was never ban all Muslims as a policy. One of the most disgusting things Trump ever said was ban all Muslims, which he did say. And one of the most depressing days of my life was when I saw a poll that showed a majority of Republicans supported banning all Muslims. I mean, we, the idea that we would be the anti-religion party is just horrifying. And so that, that really bothers me. But the, 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 prem, the, the policy that we actually got is if you're coming from these countries that, had, by the way, had been identified by the Obama administration as being disproportionately likely to send people who support the jihadist view, that you have to go through an additional level of screening. Not only is that not crazy or hate, it is the only smart policy. Okay, so it's because these people have been identified as a potential problem, Right. There's going to be additional screening. Additional screening, so, exactly. Okay, so uh, my problem then is why isn't that logic applied to guns in America? And I'll go back to the Las Vegas shooting, which you kind of threw glitter at the at the Florida one and ignored the Las Vegas one. Well, I'll talk about the Las Vegas one if you could tell me why the guy committed the shooting. If you can, which doesn't change. I mean, there's a whole, uh, there's an additional conversation about guns that I'm sure we'll get to, and, and I'm happy to go there. I'm not trying to dodge it, but, mm. but I would love still, you to it's tell still me domestic. why the guy did it. It's still domestic terrorism. What, what, so what was he terrorizing? What, what was his cause? What was, he, what was he trying to get you to change? What, does, ter- does terrorism always need a cause? Yes, that's, how I, that's why it's terrorism. 
That's specifically why it's terrorism. If you just walk into a building and because you want to commit suicide and you want to be famous and you blow yourself up because you want to be famous, whatever, then you're just a psychotic murderer. If you're Timothy McVeigh and you drive to the uh, federal building in Oklahoma and blow mm. it up because you want to you know, change people's opinion about the federal government and throw off the oppression, blah, 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 then you're a terrorist. Terrorism is violence on behalf of a cause or ideology. That's what separates it from random violence, like the psycho guy in Colorado at the Batman movie who whipped out a gun and started shooting because he was literally psychotic and his medical professionals didn't you know, didn't uh, send that information to where it needed to go to keep him from being able to buy a gun because they didn't want to be mean to the guy by having him viewed differently because he was psychotic. Okay, so, and again, then, why is it the logic of screening and more vetting and being sure that all these people are, are, are okay to come into the country and all that is applied, but then the gun one, it's kind of like, yeah, we'll vet them, but, you know, Second Amendment, woo. Well, that's I, – I, I, let me give you an answer. If, uh, on guns, I'm in America a moderate, which, of course, makes me a right-wing extremist you know, in Ireland. <laughs> but um, let, me give you the, let me give you the gun activist answer, and it's in what you just said, the Second Amendment. Every American citizen has a constitutionally protected right to defend themselves and use guns to do it. Nobody from Ireland or Iraq or Israel has a right to come to the United States. It doesn't exist. You don't have that right. Every country, in fact, it's the opposite. Every country has the right to say to anyone it wants, I don't want you here because that's why it's their country. Um, so the two are really not good analogies. Well, Having said well, – go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just – no, go on. I'll let you finish because I think I might go on a oh, different no, track, but – well, you might, you might, but my point is that's what the Second Amendment people would say is if you're going to come to my house and take away a constitutionally protected right that is equal to my right to free speech, equal to my right to be free of searches by the police without warrants, you're going to take away that right, then you better have a big reason. That's how America works. You can say that, that, that that's stupid. And look, I talk to plenty of people in Ireland and England and Europe who don't yeah. support free speech. They, they do not think you should have the right to say whatever you want. And so there's, you know, there's a fundamental premise there about the right of the individual versus the state, which is the point I made earlier. Um, but that's, that's why when people ask, why doesn't America just pass a law that says take away all the guns? Well, because you can't, because we have the Constitution. So you'd have to amend the Constitution to do that. The second reason that we don't just pass a law that says take away all the guns is that a majority of Americans support the right of a woman, and this this act this just happened, uh, like the week a week and a half ago, where this woman is by herself with her kids, and this guy you know kicks starts kicking in the door of her house, and she's all alone, and she has no way to protect herself, and she you know has a gun in the house, and she uses it, and she shoots the guy, and otherwise she would have been raped and whatever, blah blah blah. You may say, well, you know, I'd rather see that one woman raped, as tragic as that is rather than have people be able to own guns. That's a legitimate point of debate. But Americans, a majority of Americans, don't feel that way. And then there's the third practical reason, and I always ask people this, which is also silly. Okay, I have a magic wand. Wingardium Leviosa, it's illegal to have a gun in America. Well, now what are you going to do about it? Because there are 250 million guns out there. And quite a few of them are in the hands of people who are in the um, recreational self-medication business in large urban enclaves where they pay the bills protecting their corner so they can sell their oxy. How are you going to get your guns from them? Ladies, take it away. <laughs> right. Well, first off, I'm going to say I don't think anybody uh, would agree with the rape comment a minute ago. Second off, the, the Second Amendment, 
to me, a constitution is literally a piece of paper that words are written on a long, long time ago. This Second Amendment was made before Texas and Florida were states. The world has moved on so, so much. People have moved on so much. Technology has moved on so much. Weaponry has moved on so much. How can people think that the words written over 200 years ago apply to what is available out there today? The, like, it's baffling. They weren't talking about sub-automatic weapons and they weren't talking about these new high-range rifles and all that kind of thing. It was to defend yourself. So what would you say to people who then say, but the con- it, it's enshrined in the Constitution, the sacred founding document of the United States? I, I would say you need to get with the times, pal. The and Constitu- what they would say... What they would say to you is, you find me a group of people in the world today that are as smart as Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and then we'll talk. But as long as we have people as smart as Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, (laughs) Barack Obama, and Brad Carr, then no, absolutely not. We'll stick with them. But there's something else here, too, which is – and this goes back to the fundamental premise that you guys – don't believe in adulthood. You believe in eternal childhood with mommy and daddy government. So, so a, a woman in Oklahoma is all by herself, and she hears some rattling on the back porch. She calls nine one one. She lives in a rural area. You guys have rural areas. I learned the word culture a few months ago. I'm trying to use it whenever I possibly can. I'm not sure I know what it means, but I, I like I like it. So she's out in Culcheville. She, she's on the phone with. The 911. What, what do you guys? We have 911 over here. What do you guys have? 999. Yeah, one one two. Yeah, there's a couple of different ones. They all go up to the same thing though. Let's say yeah, the police are on the line. You know, yeah. so you call the call the police. So and we have real police. We don't have like bobbies. Whatever you have, like the guys with funny hats who go around saying, "What's all this then?" And we have actually real police, like with guns and stuff. Well, that's and a London so, accent you just gave. <laughs> the bobbies I think, in this London. This is the right country, isn't it? I don't. I, everything <laughs> I know about Ireland, I learned from those Irish guys in Monty Python. I really don't know what, what I'm doing. So anyway, so here's my point. So she's on the phone. This is all recorded. So she's on the phone and someone's breaking in and she's yelling, don't come in, don't come in. And the woman's on the phone saying, hang on, the police, you know, they're about 20 minutes away because she lives out by herself. She has a gun. She's telling the guy, don't come in. I have a gun. You're the operator on that phone. What do you tell her? Do you tell her, oh, you shouldn't have a gun. Put that down. What's wrong with you? We've moved on. This is a modern era. Just put that away. That guy's going to come in the house and whatever happens, happens. And good luck with that. Is that what you tell her? Because no. what happened is the 9-11 operator told her, darling, you need to do what you need to do. And she killed that bleep, and she did the exact right thing. He's dead like he's supposed to be. She's safe like she's supposed to be. And she didn't wait for mommy and daddy government to send someone over 20 minutes later to take blood samples and hope that they could find the guy. That's the difference between America and Ireland. So, what, so do, do you just kill all the prisoners that are found guilty in America and get rid of jails? No, no, no. You don't have to do that. What you have to do is you have to let individuals protect themselves because it's enshrined in the Second Amendment that part of adulthood is the ability to decide what you think for yourself and say it, decide how to worship for yourself and do it, and decide to defend yourself because it's your job as a human organism. The fundamental premise of human life is to stay alive long enough to, you know, get a little little jiggy with it and have babies and move on. And what you're saying is I adopt, I I want out of the human species. I don't want to be in the species anymore. I don't want to be responsible for my own, literally my own existence. I want the government to be responsible to keep me But you're all killing each other over there. 
Excuse me? You're all killing each other over there. There's millions You're and millions. You're all killing each other over here. Okay. Yeah, there's millions and millions of deaths. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. There are 310 million Americans. There were around 10,000 gun homicides last year. Ballpark figure. So it's a very, very small number. And the vast... <laughs> It's a small number. It's a small number. <laughs> My God. Out of 310 million. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Do I have to do math class too? Oh, no. So is that, is that acceptable? Is that acceptable? There are these it's, numbers of 310 million. And, and as I was about to say, and the vast majority of those shootings were people involved in the gun, the drug trade, the off the books, black market in goods and services in urban areas. So well, what you say to the vast majority of Americans you know, do you want to keep a gun in your, you know, whatever suburb or in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex where there's not a lot of crime and you have it there to protect yourself and the chances of you using that gun to, you know, to, uh, to protect yourself are relatively minimal. The fact the chances of you ever using that gun in anger are relatively small. They say, yeah, damn straight. I want to keep my gun because they're not involved in that problem. That problem is a very specific problem. You, you gave a really, really, you, you jumped to the extreme when you gave the example of the, of the woman in Ohio, and and I get this conversation or this topic always is going to go from pillar to post in terms of extremes, sure. but okay, so so that's a case where fair enough that guy was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Okay, but what about the case then where somebody who's innocent get gets shot and killed because you know somebody was a bit trigger happy? And what about the case where kids get a hold of the guns and they and they shoot themselves? What about the case of Las yeah. Vegas where a guy used guns to commit the worst uh, mass shooting in the history of the United States? I listen. I agree with you, and I'm all. I, my door is always open to the to solutions, but so far, the, no one has presented a solution that's either a ideologically acceptable. We're going to stop the bad people from having guns without stopping the good people. No one is mm. explaining to me how they're going to do that. And then there's the other one, the pragmatic problem. If you outlawed guns tomorrow, the only people who would hand in their guns are the NRA members because the NRA members are law-abiding citizens who you know, use their guns responsibly. They're not commi- the, the number of murders committed by NRA members is negligible. It's, you know, it's tiny. The, uh, the problem with guns is the guns used by criminals as part of this, their, their criminal enterprise. And no one has explained to me how you're going to get those guns away. But, but there's no political will to come up with a solution. Like, there's no I political will. You, you, you gave the figure there of 10,000 10, deaths. Like, there's no political will to reduce that number. Well, you know, you might be right. I'm, I, that's a, a very good uh, question. Sometimes I talk to supporters of the Second Amendment, and they really their attitude is, "Screw everybody! I just want my guns." You're at, that's part of the, the 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 truth. But there are other people who are open to things. A, a good example is the mental illness issue. The uh, fact is that more people will kill themselves with guns in the United States than will kill someone else. Uh, they'll you know they'll commit suicide. A lot of and the figures are excluding that, though. Of course, because. The issue of guns and crime is the issue that, you know, that is problematic. If someone wants to kill themselves, they're going to find a way to kill themselves unless you're also going to ban razors, knives, gas, you know, cars, garages. I mean, someone can find a way to kill themselves no matter what. But um, there is a, uh, an issue having to do with mental illness. And I, I've talked about this on the air and I've written about it. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm listening to smart people. Tell me what we can do. Tell me how we can help sick people. Uh, you know, you know, separate them from from guns. Maybe separate them from harm. What can we do? 
And so there he, are people at Goodwill who want to have that fight. The problem is that they believe that the people on the other side of the aisle from them all just want to take away their guns, which, by the way, is your position. You just want to confiscate all guns. And right, America and, and is, 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 is your position that, um, right, that's a good idea, but how do you get the guns off the, no, the citizens? No, I do not believe in, in gun confiscation, even if you could do it. If I had a magic wand and could do it, I wouldn't do it because I believe in adulthood. And the consequence of adulthood <laughs> is some adults are going to choose to do bad things. So I'll give you an example. In Boston, theoretically, if you commit a crime and you have a gun, you go to jail for a year instantly. Doesn't matter you if you get found not guilty of some other part, you're like you know whatever the robbery, whatever. But you were illegally in possession of a gun. You're supposed to go to jail immediately. The problem is almost nobody does because the charges get plea bargained away and blah 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 in our criminal justice system. If you just let criminals know, look, dude. You want to beat the crap out of people with baseball bats, whatever. You want, you, know, you, want to, you want to have knife fights, whatever. But if we catch you with a gun, you're going to go in jail and you're going to stay in jail. You could ameliorate that problem. I can't get the politicians on the left who hate guns to do that because the consequence of that would fall disproportionately for all sorts of historic reasons. But, but on, there's no real uh, left in America. There's no real left in America, though. Oh, please. <laughs> Elizabeth not. Warren, Bernie Sanders. Bernie is the only kind of hope for Barack us. Obama? He was a president for eight years. Yeah, but the people around him. He, I, he could, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what more left you got. Look, he did everything you Europeans wanted. He shoved through a government-run health system, which, like your government-run health system, sucks. He pulled America out of the world and left it to its own devices. As a result, we got ISIS horrors you know, across the Middle East. Got we got he, expansive is, are, he, are you blaming he ISIS? Let, he let Russia Obama? expand into uh, Crimea and Ukraine. I mean, Obama was the president you guys always wanted us to have, and we but, got eight years of suck. My, so like, I don't are, know how are you liberal? Does he have to be? Are you blaming Obama for ISIS? Of course. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you not? Well, uh, what about the Iraq and Afghanistan wars? Are they not? Are they not? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, and and uh, where was ISIS during that? There was no ISIS during that. ISIS didn't exist during that. ISIS it, it, didn't it exist exists because of that. The presidency. No, it exists ISIS because didn't... of that. Okay, okay, so once again, so there's this thing called Islam, and it's this religion, and some fundamentalists in this religion have a belief that there's a specific city that's supposed to be part of the caliphate on earth, and they believe that if they take territory and capitalize that city, that they can bring the will of Allah on earth. They're a tiny slice of the broader Muslim worldview, and there are these people who believe in that caliphate, and they're called ISIS, and they believed in that caliphate in 2015, 2005, 1885, 1775. There have been people who believe that. The modern incarnation of that is ISIS. That was there when Saddam Hussein was there. That was there when the Brits were there. And the, all that happened uh, for this group, for ISIS to prosper, is that President uh, Obama committed the dumbest act of foreign policy since World War II and withdrew all American troops out of Iraq so that instead of being on the side of the pro-Western, pro-democracy, nascent uh, a group there. We abandoned Iraq to its worst elements, which were Iran and ISIS. And sure enough, when we left, what happened? 18 months later, we had ISIS. The end. You ruined Iraq. <laughs> oh, yeah, because no, it was in such good shape before we got there. When they were gassing their own people, using chemical weapons, running rape rooms, exporting terrorism, invading neighbors, threatening to evade Saddam. You know, man, if only we could go back to that good old Saddam Hussein. But there is one thing that Saddam Hussein was good at taking money from Europeans in corrupt deals. He made a lot of Europeans rich. So you're, I can see why you guys would love Saddam Hussein. People who didn't like watching their family getting raped to death, they're not so big on Saddam Hussein. 
I did say at the start, you and Graham would get along great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where was the weapons of mass destruction, Mike? Uh, I, I don't know. You'll have to ask Saddam Hussein because he's... <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Ask Saddam, yeah. Well, me, that, that, that's the reason why the American, the British, me, went into Iraq. Me, uh, let me finish. Because Saddam Hussein told everyone he had weapons of mass destruction. He bragged about having weapons of mass destruction because he used the fear that he would gas people again as a way to keep power as a minority party, the Ba'ath Party, inside of Iraq. So he, he basically is the guy that walked into the store with his finger in his pocket and said, stick him up. I've got a gun and I'm robbing the place. Then he gets shot. And everyone goes, what you shooting for? He didn't have a gun. Uh, okay. <laughs> but there's another reason, too, and this is all on George W. Bush and one of the big failings of George W. Bush. George W. Bush's premise was, in my opinion, the best premise available of the three that were available. When I, I don't know about you guys, but since I was a kid, when I grew up, every so often there'd be a news story, front page, terrorists attack this, the terrorists you know, hijack that, terrorists blow up this, terrorists blow you know, terror, terror, terror. All the way through the 1990s, we had nonstop terrorism. The World Trade Center was actually bombed the first time in 1993 while Clinton was in office. What did Clinton do? Nothing. Then we had the Cobar Towers bombing, nothing. We had the uh, uh, embassies bombed in North Africa, nothing. We had the, you know, the attack on a warship in Yemen, nothing. And then after eight years of nothing, finally, Al-Qaeda and the Islamists got our attention with 9-11. So the question was, what do you do? Do you support the dictators who oppress their own people like Saddam and like Egypt, et cetera, and then that feeds the radicalism of the Muslim Brotherhood, et cetera, or do you support the Muslim Brotherhood? <laughs> do you go with the, 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 the peeps who have this vision of Islam that's problematic and, you know, and encourage them, or do you craft a third way? The third way is acknowledging that Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia are not going to be, you know, Ireland or Sweden anytime soon, but on the path towards democratization. Is that what you do? And so while everyone seizes on the weapons of mass destruction argument because George W. Bush kept talking about it, he also made another argument the whole time uh, along with it, which is to help midwife democracy in the heart of the Middle East to give people this third way. And what's interesting is that what, it doesn't make George Bush the savior. Oh no! Well, yeah, the savior of all democracy. Look, and there and there are a bunch of people uh, in America who are Trump supporters who hated that vision of uh, po policy. They dismiss it as neocons, and they hated it. But of the three that were available, I would argue that the best of the three was the path that George Bush started on, which is why mm -hmm. Barack Obama committed such a horrific crime when he pulled the troops out. Uh, as the process was going on, you know, the process is still stumbling on forward. But imagine how different the world would be if, but, number one, we had no ISIS because ISIS never would have been there. And we had Western troops supporting pro-Western people in the heart of the Middle East, putting pressure on the bad guys in Iran, the bad guys in Yemen, even the bad guys in Saudi Arabia. It would be a very different world. Now, I know you guys are all pacifist, gutless weasels, and you just say whatever the world <laughs> But the, <laughs> but the problem with pacifist gutless weasels is that when 9-11 happens, you have no answer. You just say, oh, well, 9-11 happens. Let's go back to our gutless weaseliness. I hope it doesn't happen again, even though we're not going to do anything to stop it. But, but perhaps Obama pulled out because he felt it was an unjust war, like the majority of the world. I mean, Blair and Bush created a dossier. Wait, no, no, you've, 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 you've had your say. Um, Blair and Bush created this huge dossier to say yes we're going into iraq because of weapons of mass destruction spent months and months and months trying to find these weapons of mass destruction couldn't produce them to the media and then 
look at the state of Iraq. Now that is why, because that that is fundamentally why ISIS was created. You can't say because of America pulling out troops. That's why ISIS was created. Uh, ISIS, like, ISIS was is, is basically Al Qaeda. There's no there's there's no fundamental difference there. Uh, well, actually, there's a a uh, lot of difference between ISIS and Al-Qaeda, which was why they, one of the reasons why they fought each other a lot while ISIS was on the way up. But you're right that there's no fundamental difference between the jihadist worldview as opposed to the mainstream Muslim worldview or the Western view, blah, blah, blah. But the idea that let's, – let's say, let's say, for example, that you even agree – that I even agreed that the war originally was unjust. We shouldn't have gone there. It didn't change the fact that we, with the help of the British – Plant started planting democracy in a place that could give – forget America, forget the West, forget the, what my mission is, which is to stop terrorism so that my kids can grow up in a world without terrorism. Forget that. Because remember, you gutless weasels. You just left the world of terrorism. You had no solution to the nonstop steady stream of jihadist-inspired terrorism. You just died. and that was, So that's not good enough for you. Well, that's not good enough for us. So we wanted to do something. So now you have this path forward, not for us, but for the people of the Middle East, so that that 19 or 20-year-old guy doesn't have to choose between, well, do I want to become a, you know, a stormtrooper for the local dictator jerk, or do I want to become a radical to fight the dictator jerk? There's a third way. The idea that you would abandon that third way for them because you hate George Bush and want to prove that he was wrong is really sad and pathetic. The world is going to find that third way anyway. It's just going to take longer, and there will be more dead people at the hands of both the jihadists and the dictators. You've, I think <laughs> I'm loving this, by the way, Percy. I'm loving just sitting in the middle and just because, <laughs> unfortunately, Mike, well, you you can't see Mero. He's only sure you're pulling his beard off his face right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, God, come on, guys, it's just conversation. I'm telling yeah, you, what yeah, I'm absolutely. Think, you really think what's the big deal? No, so, but, yeah, let's uh, no, no, about, no, no, no. Now let's talk about something real, if we can, because I got to wrap up here. I, I was going to say we're running out of time, and we haven't even but touched I gotta, on. I got to. I got to talk about something real. Okay. Why don't more people drink Irish whiskey? <laughs> yeah, you I don't know understand what? this because yeah. uh, let, me, let me tell you my story, and then I want, I want to hear. So, so I uh, uh, I grew up in an evangelical Christian household, no alcohol, et cetera, whatever. And so, obviously, as soon as I got out, I started drinking like a fish. And I was <laughs> I was drinking all these. Dumb, what age did you get out? Uh, well, I was I went to college at eighteen and went off, and so. I, I was drinking all these dumb kid drinks, you know what I mean, with the goofy names, you know, Sex on the Beach and Long Island Iced Tea and the whatever Virgin Mary. It's all these goofy. They were full of alcohol and sugar, and I'd have sugar, these terrible yeah. hangovers. And so finally, I meet someone where, where this guy's drinking, and he's drinking Bushmills Irish whiskey. And I discover Irish whiskey, and I'm like, oh my god. I thought I hated whiskey because I'd only had American whiskey or Canadian whiskey. I don't like peat. So I don't like scotch and, you know, I've had great scotches and I know they're great and Lafroy and blah, blah, blah. I just don't like them because I don't like it. It's like if you don't like Mexican food, you know, matter, you're never going to like it. I discovered Irish whiskey and I am the world's biggest Irish whiskey like uh, missionary. I'm like spreading the word drink. If you think you don't like whiskey, drink Irish whiskey. And my analogy is this. If you're walking down the street and there's a Frenchman, an Italian and an Irishman in front of you, who do you follow into a bar? You follow the Frenchman into a restaurant. You follow the Italian into a bordello. You follow the Irishman into a bar. <laughs> the Irish are the world's champion drinkers. So I drink what the Irish drink. Every morning I have Barry's tea for breakfast. Every noon I have Guinness for lunch. And every Barry's night tea. I have, yes, I, I ship it over. Barry's tea. Uh, really? Lion's tea. You're, that's a cool tea drink you have in the morning. I love it. It's absolutely great. Oh, and, you're a bugger. Uh, it, 
And then at night, it is Bushmills Irish whiskey, and I'm the happiest. I, I'm, I'm all of my beverages are Irish beverages. Yeah, well, that, that's good to hear as well. Whiskey, I'm, I'm with on the whiskey. I'm, I'm a big fan of whiskey. It's I, so smooth. I, I mean, I, what, why do Americans? I mean, people who drink Jack Daniels and Wild Turkey. I'm like, do you want to punch yeah, nah, yourself nah, in the nah, face? Nah. Why are you bothering? <laughs> yeah. Irish no, I'm, I'm, whiskey nah. loves you. It's like this friendly girl who just kind of shuttles up next to you and just she's gentle <laughs> and kind, and makes you feel warm in all the right places. Oh, and I and I I drink Bushmills because the first when I first discovered Irish. I also I'll tell you two other reasons I like Bushmills. You know, it's the oldest licensed distillery in the world since 1608. They've been making the same booze, and so even if you're an idiot, after 400 plus years you're going to get pretty good at it and then the second reason <laughs> it's made in northern ireland which means that for most of 400 years it was made by people surrounded by other people who wanted to kill them and when you're surrounded by people who want to kill you every drink might be your last so you take it very seriously and so that's why i drink bushmills that's a fair point i never thought of that the only exception i'm willing to make when you said that american whiskey is essentially glorified piss is mccallum i love the mccallum okay We get to the premium stuff. It's good. Uh, A friend of mine uh, drinks corn whiskey out of Missouri. It's this little local place. I'm like, man, it is like drinking formaldehyde. How do you put this in your mouth? (laughs) And if it was the only – look, I I am a dedicated – I'm a wannabe alcoholic. If I could have the lifestyle, I would be an alcoholic. I love alcohol. So I'll drink anything. But when there's Irish whiskey in the world, why drink that stuff? And people drink I, – I, when I go to Ireland and I see people drinking vodka, I just want to slap them. <laughs> why are you drinking vodka? It's – by definition, it's odorless, tasteless, and colorless. What, what – why? But they – Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, and then the biggest disappointment was when I learned a few years ago that you guys drink more of that uh, apple cider liquor stuff than you Bombers. drink Guinness. Bombers. Yeah, yeah. Why I, do you drink Kool-Aid? Why do you drink kids' drink? <laughs> Oh, that's right. You want to be kids. You want the government. To, okay, now it all sits. You want full a sippy circle. cup. You want a sippy cup full of bombers while you're sitting there <laughs> in a little high chair, kicking your little feet, having someone come over and say, "I've got you a job. Here's your check. I've got you health care. Here it is. You just sit there, mommy, daddy, take care of you. Keep voting for us. There you go." Um, again, you're you're very wrong there, but because <laughs> but, but because you drink bush meals, I'm willing I'm willing to allow it. I also um, drink Jameson. I also I, I drink drink it all. Uh, what uh, what's that? Uh, Connemara? Connemara? Is that the town? Of yeah, Con- Connemara does some good ones. There's one to it, avoid though. You said you don't like peat whiskey, so you're right. right but there's, there's a Connemara peat whiskey. And yes, there is. No, the, when they I, I was lucky oh. enough when they first relaunched the the distillery. You know, they'd been the family kind of gone out of business, whatever, and then it got bought. Blah blah blah. I got yeah. to to taste a bunch of their stuff, and they had some peated stuff. I'm like, Bleh. yeah, no, it is it it is an absolute assault on the senses that stuff i wouldn't go near it uh, red breast if you haven't tried red breast yes red breast rocks absolutely yeah. and i'll tell you when you're drinking Bushmills, they have this uh the three wood it's their uh red label 18 year yes it, oh my god you will see angelic beings as you drink it because they finish it off in these i think it's port casks and so it has a little bit yeah. of the red tinge oh <laughs> Um, and I have to th- have a drink right now. I gotta go. Healings Te- <laughs> is the other one you need to try if you haven't tried it. Okay. Bef- before I'm conscious, we have to let you go, Mick. Before we do that, very very quickly, in uh, a sentence or less, if you can, um, sum up Fire and Fury for us, and also if Trump's first year as president has left America better or worse than it was when he went in. Fire and Fury is half 
pure gossip, you know, coming out of the psychotic brain of Steve Bannon, half stuff that we already knew, which is Trump is an overgrown child who has to be entertained at all times. It's it's true. I don't I don't dispute that. I don't doubt it. I mean, the idea that we're going to impeach a president because he goes he lays in bed eating McDonald's cheeseburgers and watching CNN. It's just crazy. I mean, on the gorilla channel, uh, on the gorilla channel. Yeah, exactly. But well, you know, that wasn't true, though. You got Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I wish but, it was, um, though. Yeah, exactly. But th- that's the point. This is why Trump survives is that is people will believe anything they'll go over the top punch him where he's vulnerable don't punch him where he isn't because there's plenty of vulnerable places as far as we're better or worse we are better than i was expecting that's what i can say i i was expecting like you know burning you know (laughs) the the end of the movie godzilla you know just like buildings crashing (laughs) and people in the streets and ah. the fact is um, he and he did the right thing in Syria that Barack Obama wouldn't do and enforce the red line. And there are kids who have not been gassed because of Barack Obama, because of Donald Trump. That's a good thing. <laughs> he did the right thing with North Korea. He confronted him when when Obama practiced eight years of uh, you know disinterest uh, and got three U.N. resolutions through something. Trump Trump got three resolutions. Obama could not get one. So he did better on that. He gave weapons to Ukraine to stop the Russians, did better than that. Uh, and, of course, the tax bill. You guys have 12% corporate in- tax rates. Ours were 36 plus state corporate tax rates. You had some corporations paying 45%. No wonder they didn't want to do business here. Mm-hmm. So I'll take uh, – and then, then the judiciary, we had eight years of uh, of Obama saying that people shouldn't be allowed to vote, that judges should decide what you want. And what you need, and uh, Trump turned that back with a lot of great uh, picks. And the reason they're great is because he's not picking them. He let a conservative group called the Federalist Society pick them, and he's just setting the names up. So, you know, from c- the difference between what I was expecting and what I'm getting, I'll take it. Okay. Will he be impeached? No, he won't be impeached because no matter what people say, no matter what he does, impeachment involves two thirds of the U.S. Senate saying throw him out of office and Republicans have 51 out of the 100 seats so you'd have to have 67 people vote to get rid of him and until there's something real not just all this talk about we think Russia colluded we don't know exactly how but it was icky and uh, you know, we're not going to remember Bill Clinton was caught lying to a federal judge and a federal grand jury to try to stop a sexual harassment claim from going forward he had shown this woman his little chief and lied about it. And he kept (laughs) lying and tried to stop her from having her day in court. So he colluded with other people in his administration to shut her down. He got caught, was caught red handed. He was impeached by the house. That is, they said, here are the charges and the Senate, even though he absolutely, you know, abused this woman and lied about it, they wouldn't, they wouldn't convict him. They wouldn't throw him out of office. So, you know, it's, it's a high standard here. We have a, my, my attitude. And I think a lot of Americans share this, even people don't like Trump. Every four years, we get to vote the guy out. You know, it's only four years. Assuming that he's not, you know, stealing the White House silverware or selling the nuclear codes, if he's just being a dope, we've had dope. We made it through eight years of Obama, and he was a blithering idiot when it came to policy. Surely we can make it through four years of this. Michael, it has been a blast. I am M. Graham on Twitter, and Michael in the Morning is the podcast. And, of course, don't forget, me and George Hook right there you on News Talk every Saturday morning. 8 to 10 a.m. Dublin time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back on the radio in Dublin. It's great. Brilliant. Michael, listen, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. So there you have it. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. I loved it. I have I'm to say. Like, I'm stressed and I'm sweating. 
Uh, was a fun one to do because like that because not only we get people on we kind of it's very light and we agree and it's all great crack and we're all hugging and you know hippie power and lefties all over the place <laughs> and all that and tonight it was kind of like wait what what did you just say no wait what the out, the outlandish remarks just got me all the time yeah the generalization sweeping generalization there was there was a point or two where he was talking about obama and i genuinely thought you were going to flip the table but here's the thing i'm not an obama supporter do you know what yeah. i mean but that's how fundamentally you disagreed with him, that you felt the need that when he badmouthed Obama, you're like, Obama's my boy. No, I wasn't. That, that, that wasn't why I was. Okay. I just thought it was outlandish to think that um, Obama is the reason why ISIS is around. Yeah, I think, see, he he uses a little bit of hyperbole there, I think. And, like, because he then went on to explain where he's going from. That mm. For years and years and years, and centuries and centuries and centuries, there is a part of Islam that has believed in a caliphate. And that's true. And I agree with him there. He then goes on to, to kind of elaborate a bit more. And basically what he's saying is that before Obama, ISIS did not exist. ISIS only came to be in the time of Obama. Which is technically true. Okay. There. So, so if he had said it in that way. Uh, uh, no. Why? I'm not buying it. Because Obama withdrew troops because he, as far as I'm aware, he believed that it was... The war, they shouldn't have went to war in the first place. Blair and Bush gave the public false information. Oh, yeah, I don't Dr. I don't Alan Kelly d- killed himself because of this. Right, I, no, I don't disagree. Do you know what I mean? I don't disagree with that. So, like, we were all fed a lie. When right. we say we, the public and the world were fed a lie, the United right. Nations were fed a lie, right. and went into Iraq um, for weapons of mass destruction. That was yeah. the lie we were told. Absolutely. This is why we're going in. You know, Do you accept the point you made that that's because Saddam was telling people that we had them? That, sorry, not we. I wasn't part of it. <laughs> if if Hans Blitz or anybody else from that time period is listening, I I had nothing to do with it. I don't I don't believe Saddam was. I don't accept that because Hans Blitz went in as an inspector and couldn't find anything. So yeah, no, I know. He, he's working on behalf. He's working on behalf of the UN, but in side by side with the Iraqi government. Yeah, no, I get that. But Saddam Saddam was fond of kind of playing. Billy Big Balls and being like, but they couldn't know. find nothing. Yeah, no, they couldn't. But what I'm saying, what Michael said, I'm is, that, is that is that if Saddam's playing Big Balls mm. and just talking like, fair about him, shy. What do you mean talking? It's, it's talking, <laughs> talking shy. Okay. Does does that warrant invading a country? But again, the point is okay. So it's like that whole thing of you know somebody saying, "I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this," and then eventually you go, "Show me." Like, no, show me. That's no. not what the case and was. And make them empty out their pockets. That's not what the case was. You're trying to be a bit like Michael Graham now. I'm, I'm, because Are I'm you sh- playing devil's advocate I'm here? playing devil's advocate Yeah, here. no, that wasn't the case. How wasn't it? Because that's not what happened. So Saddam didn't say he had weapons no. ever. Ever. I don't believe he said he had weapons of mass destruction. I believe ever. he was saying we don't have them. Ever. Well, ever. Well, give me the time frame. The time frame of this, he. I don't believe. Hans Blix was there. He said he can't, we can't find yeah, that. Yeah, not when they were there, but I'm talking about before they went there. What? Like... W- what what year? Eighties and nineties. I don't know about eighties and nineties. But that's, that's what not why is. that's not why Bush and Blair went in. But that's what they were forming their opinion on. From something he said in the eighties and nineties. But sure, America were funding and giving Iraq weapons in the eighties and their other wars. Yeah, but sure they done that with everything. Sure they gave the Afghani's weapons yeah, as know, well. You know what I, I mean? Know, I know. Charlie Wilson's war, great film if you've never seen it. To fight against the Russians and the Soviet Afghan war. What was that? Eighty eight? Was it? The oppressors fed us wrong information. And they fucked up. <laughs> the Brits and the Americans are the oppressors of the world. Oh my God. Yet you'll happily swallow our culture. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So you'll take what you want from them, but you'll deny them just because your little green, white, and orange heart that sits on the left of I your body. I don't believe in their foreign policy at all. In both countries' foreign policy. Okay. <coughs> Do you think people should have foreign policies? Or should we just have a domestic policy and let live and let live? Um, I don't know. I always wonder, with the state of the Middle East, the kind of, what's that word? The destabilized. Is, right. that, is that what a, like unrest? Right. I often wondered if it wasn't for kind of say Britain and America, would there be such unrest down there? Because all the unrest seems to me in our generation seems to be created by the Americans. Do you accept nine eleven as the catalyst to the events? Mm. The catalyst would probably be Israel and Palestine's conflict. <sighs> and it's like then it kind of because the Americans and the and the Brits created Israel, so I mean we going into a very great history lesson here now because no, we no. me and you don't really agree. No, on we, stuff we, like don't, this, so no I don't. We, really we, we don't at it. all, and I'm not looking. At, I'm just trying to. <clears throat> I suppose I'm trying to. Get In our generation, yeah, September 11th is obviously a catalyst. But going back further, it's probably you could look. You could go down a rabbit hole. I could say Israel Palestine, and someone else would say further down the line. Yeah. But Israel-Palestine seems to be the kind of epicenter of all the unrest down there. And that's that's where you go to. What do you mean? That Like, so you, you think that, you know, the Israel-Palestine two-state solution is the crux of the issue? Not the crux of the issue. Um, well, no, I don't know. I think... What do you think? I think it's Gabriello Princeps' fault. Who's that? He's the man who killed Franz Ferdinand. All right. And started World War One. If he hadn't done that, sure, none of this crack would have happened. Really? Yeah. That's what I think. All right. So fuck you, Princess. So then why did you think September 11th was the catalyst? Or were you just asking me? I was just asking. You, I was just saying, like, because you know, obviously the I'm going to use the word invasion, mm. and I'm going to insert air quotes around that. Mm. Um, that obviously came after September 11th, which September 11th being the attack that made them kind of say you're either with us or against us yeah, and we're yeah. going after these fuckers yeah so that's why I'm saying arguably that's the possibly yeah but then it's September 11th as a result of the Gulf War yeah in the early 90s absolutely and is that as a result of the Soviet Afghan War and is that as a result it's all of in the Middle from East the, from, from the Cold War it's all in the Middle East and what's it, what is it what have all the Middle Eastern countries got oil oh that's not what I was going to say no that's what I'm saying yeah all every all the conflicts in the Middle East is all because of oil. Do you want why, why, I often wonder why don't the Americans go after Saudi Arabia and free their people? Do they need to be freed? Apparently, if you if you if what you read is if you, what you read is and you believe is true, depends what you're reading, though. Don't I it? know? Yeah, it depends what you're reading. You seem to read on the left. <laughs> <laughs> I like being devil's advocate, and I like not taking an opinion because then we can have a discussion about it without just going shut up your tick, shut up your tick. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that was a fun one. I enjoyed it. Anyway. Michael Grimes probably listened to me and calling me a little dweeb, or you know, what was he calling? What was he saying about adulthood? Yeah, yeah, that we we rely on. We want to be mammied basically forever. God. You haven't met my mammy, Michael. Yeah, you haven't met my mammy. Um, I can look after myself. Thank you very much, Michael Grimes. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't care. That was a bit of crack. Uh, we're coming to you as always from Fitzpatrick Castle go to fitzpatrickcastle.com for more you can check out all our previous episodes on wtspod.com or go to iTunes 
hit subscribe leave a little review tell us what you think and uh, why not give it a share while you're at it you can also get us on stitcher podbean podcast republic podcast addict anywhere and everywhere there's a podcast just search for wts pod and you'll find us go to facebook.com forward slash wts pod ireland or go to twitter and you'll get us at wts pod he's at american mania he's at dan joe murray and this has been our bonus midweek american trump bonanza really big burden special it's been a blast until next time clear eyes full hearts can't lose too sweet <laughs> <laughs>